have you seen the trailer for the new Barbie movie? I have not. Oh my god, it's delightful. Um, really? The end of the trailer, yeah. So, um, very specifically, the Greta Gerwig Barbie movie. Okay. Where um, it stars um, Margot Robbie and, um, what's his fuck, Ryan Gosling. It's, um, there's a whole scene that they show in the trailer where um, Ryan Gosling, Ken, and Simu Liu, Ken, are talking about beaching each other off. Uh, oh. <laughs> I'll beat you up so hard. And so on and so forth. And it's <laughs> delightful. This movie looks incredible. Uh, what if we do it for the podcast? Um, so the problem is I'm going to see it in theaters. Yeah, so earplugs... I'm not wearing noise-canceling <laughs> headphones and paying fifteen dollars. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's probably not uh, like. Smart. And actually, if if anything, I'm going to like the deluxe theaters that they have at Cineplex, and then that's even more expensive. Yeah, and then you'd have to get another ticket to watch it properly afterward. Yeah, and that's just not something I'm interested in. Yeah. I'll maybe see the Mario movie, though. We can do the Mario movie when it actually comes out on, like, streaming. <laughs> sure, but what if we did the Mario movie starring John Leguizamo? <laughs> I love that movie. I also love that movie. I, I, I don't know why people hate that movie, because it is perfect. It whips us. Yeah, that movie rules. My favorite part is how fucking actualized Peach is in that movie. Because, like, is... it... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When she I... shows up at the end and she's like, yeah, I'm Princess Peach, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, uh, that movie is rad on so many levels. Um... Should we talk about the movie we actually watched? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's probably for the best. Um, so yeah. we watched because it was on Tubi. The, sh- should we start the podcast? Oh, mm, <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Just, you know, the little formalities that make things the way they are. It, it's important. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I just really want to get back to, like labbing bedman for like the next 12 hours so let's get this over with all right hello and welcome to unsound theories i'm kat i'm kira and we watch movies with no sound and no subtitles and try to figure out what the hell is going on spoiler somebody stop me that's that's a line in the movie right i yeah he he says somebody please help me with stopping yeah yeah. And then he says smoking at another Sm- point. Yeah. That's a, that's about as much of this movie as I picked up through cultural osmosis across the years. I feel like with this movie, if you understand like the wolf character from Looney Tunes, you've basically understood the mask. It is very, yeah. Yeah. It's um I was trying to nail down exactly what the mask's powers were. I think it's just, like, 
Um, so this is something I actually put, talked about in my notes. It's like, okay, what what the Because I'm reasonably sure this movie is classed as a superhero movie. Um, I can see that. It's a superhero comedy. I, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe it's a comedy. I'm not sure. I laughed once. Did you laugh at all? Um... Yes, but it was because at one point he does the Riker maneuver, and I laughed because he did the Riker <laughs> maneuver, which was not intended to be funny. <laughs> I I laughed at him putting a pen in a pencil sharpener. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a metaphor for uh, him coming in his pants, right? Y- yeah, and I it, I say like laugh, he, it was really more of like a... And then... <laughs> yeah. He's a um... no-pump chump. <laughs> Um, so, basically, I think the mask's powers are that, um, so the, the, the mask itself empowers you to live out whatever, like, trickster sort of fantasy you might have, right? Like, it's like, it's very much a, like, mask of a trickster god sort of a thing. Yeah, it 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 gives you reality warping powers. Yes, and it just warps reality to fit whatever your sort of internal mythological perception of the actions of a trickster god would be. Yeah. And for and s- Jim Carrey in this movie, that he- happens to be Looney Tunes. Because he watches a lot of Looney Tunes. He has the the VHSs at his apartment. Mm-hmm. He has a Taz pillow. Um, yeah. He has, like, cell animation cells of Porky and Daffy framed over his bed. He's, like, very... <clears throat> he's, he's, like, the L- Looney Tunes version of a Disney adult. Yeah. And, like, so... here's the thing about this movie um have you watched jojo's bizarre adventure i have not is this basically what if jojo's bizarre adventure starred jim carrey um it's more like what if dio was played by jim carrey okay uh because like so dio's whole deal is um that he becomes a vampire by putting on this stone mask that like envelops his head and stabs him and turns him into a vampire and then he's allergic to sunlight among other things um okay. he ends up not being allergic to sunlight after a while because dio is dio and eventually um his name is just spelled in all caps for the rest <laughs> of the series because he's just that good um wonderful Love at that. one point he gets beheaded and air quotes dies but then his head cuts off the head of his enemy slash stepbrother and takes over his body. His... Okay. And Dio become... Dio has the body of Jonathan Joestar and... No. Or Joseph Joestar. One of the Joestars. I can't remember which. Um, and that's how he comes back. It's a whole thing. Yeah, every, every time I learn anything about that show... <laughs> It, it it certainly it, lives, it up, lives to up to its up name. To the name. <laughs> it very yeah. much lives up to the name. The newest JoJo, uh, like the stuff that's coming out as manga right now, is really cool. 
because um, it's set in 2020. COVID exists. <laughs> oh my god. And one of the protagonists of the series, one of the JoJo's, is a trans woman. Hell yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's fucking rad. Love that I mean, her. like, okay, uh, as far as my interpretation of the way the character is written is that she's a trans woman, but she might just be like a finster type. Uh, yeah. Who gets estrogen injections, but still identifies as a man, which like, you know, more power to you if that's how you identify, right? Like, yeah, good for you. Gender is fake. Do what you want with it. Either way, we have a really cool character who represents some really cool gender diversity in the JoJo universe. Love that. And also sells drugs to high school students. Now, my brain is busted real bad. Uh-huh. And so did you, in your um, upbringing, um, did, did you have a word for fried potato wedges? Is this where you're going to tell me that you call fried potato wedges JoJo's like some sort of Midwestern freak? <laughs> That's what I have always heard them called. Because everyone around me does it. No, no, I I refuse to accept that. Why would they be called JoJo's? They're called potato wedges. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what 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 the fuck? I don't know. I don't know why. It's not my fault though. Okay, so apparently, apparently, it's called a JoJo in the Pacific Northwest because someone was at, at a guy named Ron. Okay, was selling them in Omaha, Nebraska, and he said. A customer asked what the potato wedges were called, and he made up JoJo's, and that's what they're called now. Alright. And why is... Why... Why is that localized to the Pacific Northwest, then? Because it's stupid. (laughs) And nobody else picked it up. (laughs) I'm glad it's at least not just me and, like, my elementary school. Now... Are okay. So in your let's let's roll this back for a second. Are JoJo's like battered potato wedges? It's it's basically what if a French fry was uh just a wedge of a potato lengthwise. Okay, yeah. See, so that's what I think of when I hear potato wedges. But I'm looking this up, and I'm hearing that like JoJo's are seasoned. And battered? They're definitely seasoned. Um, they I very well might be battered. I don't know. I've never made them. I guess they probably are battered because they are pretty, pretty crispy. Like a like a light sort of a like you throw the potato in like seasoned flour, so it's not really a batter so much as yeah. it's a dredged. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think probably that is yes. Yeah, so, like, I, I, maybe that makes them technically different than regular potato wedges. Yeah. Um, so, so, the entire time you've been talking about JoJo, that's all I've been able to think about. Yeah, no, so, so I was thinking we would go on a, like, sort of weird, wild quest to, to try all of the JoJo's in the Pacific Northwest. 
Yeah. And we can call it the JoJo Bizarre Adventure. Perfect. Yeah. That's Patreon content, baby. Yeah, we're going to become a snack podcast like uh, Doughboys. Yeah. Or um, that one snack podcast that Michael Ian Black does. Or House of Snacks. Um, we need to talk about the mask. We should. Yeah, I guess. Um, okay. It's so, not, not good. Yeah, basically, the movie is about an incel who somehow lands Cameron Diaz. Yeah, because um, he's... Because he gets he gets a magic Viking mask, mm-hmm. um, and it turns him into a man with a green head and no hair or ears. Yes, for some reason. Um, and um, he, he also he also is basically a Looney Tune. Yeah, his whole deal <clears throat> is that he's like some sort of Looney Tunes inspired trickster god. When yeah. he puts on the mask. And he has um, the power to make other people buy into his bullshit, too. Yes, that's the most important thing, is he can get other people to buy into his bullshit. Um, which is demonstrated when he gets a bunch of cops who are pointing guns at him to join him in a song and dance routine. Yep. Which... Yep. That, in... was like a, that was like a New York City level of cops. Yeah, that was... That was like a protect the proud boys level of cops yeah no it was not what okay here's the question that i had the city that he lives in is called edge city Mm -hmm. obviously that's because everyone who lives in it is extremely the rated r superstar yeah um they're all big fans (laughs) of the professional wrestler edge uh uh yeah um who might have been with the brood at the time um (laughs) <laughs> the brood was the wrestling stable where they were vampires. Oh fuck yeah, love that! Very vampire the masquerade inspired. Uh, that's that's what? incredible. One of the guys in the brood, Gangrel, actually got va- vampire teeth permanently installed. Fuck, I'm a little so bit he's jealous. Just got vampire. Fangs. I'm a I'm a little bit jealous of that. Not gonna lie, at least my inner teenage goth girl is. You, um, he he still wrestles and everything too. Like it's pretty rad, actually. It, you know, yeah, you, yeah. you never you're never not excited when you see Gangrel. That's good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Does he uh, merge with the Earth to sleep? Uh, no, he doesn't. Oh. He just so he's, so he's like a shows a up at wrestling events. <laughs> Bit of a wannabe vampire. a wannabe Gangrel. Okay. Yeah, vampire clout chaser. Uh, that's can't win them all. Okay, so this movie, basically, the movie starts with Jim Carrey working at a bank. Yes. Uh, with his, his Joe Piscopo-looking co-worker. His, his co-worker is possibly a bigger creep than him. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's a scene where Cameron Diaz walks into the bank, because she's, mm-hmm. like, scouting it out for some bad guys who are going to rob it. They're going to do a little bit of a heist. And she's got a camera in her purse. Um, but she hands her coat to Jim Carrey's friend, and he just fucking sniffs it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, don't, don't do that. Nobody should do that. No, it's, like, I just, I don't know. 
Was he trying to smell the perfume? I don't know. I just, he just wanted to smell a thing that touched a lady. It's, I mean, it was the 90s. So maybe, maybe people just did that. I mean, like, okay, was he trying to smell her perfume or something? I don't know. He just fucking huffed her coat and then looked like he fucking cummed his pants. Yeah, so um, in my notes, I wrote, God, both of these men in this scene are so horny. How do allosexual people make it through the day without coming their pants? <laughs> um, it, yeah. I guess working at a place where you don't find people attractive helps. I guess. I don't know. Um, uh, so, not being a, 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 a dude in the 90s probably also yeah. helps. I, do you think... Do you think he he masturbates. Stop me because he's gonna <laughs> come too soon. Yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why they're all so goddamn horny all the time because they're just constantly etching. <laughs> We've cracked the case. <laughs> okay, thanks for listening. <laughs> what a quality episode we talked about potato wedges for 10 minutes (laughs) (laughs) we asked if he masturbates and we laughed for 5 minutes I just want to give a quick summary of what what the... (laughs) (coughs) Oh my god. Um, So, he finds a mask in the water. Yes, I want to, like, give the character some credit. Like, he thinks he sees a person floating in the river and his first instinct is, go and help. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, that's that's good. And like, that's the that's the first thing I can say to this man's credit. That's probably one of the only things you can say to this man's credit. Um, yeah, he's he's pretty fucking stupid, actually. Yeah, no, he's not good. Um, he finds the mask. Um, the mask puts itself on him when he gets home. Yeah. Um, and then he. Goes on a, a light crime spree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, He's about to get mugged by some 
punks, uh, one of whom was a really pretty lady. Um, I was I was at that point still ho- too horrified by the mask makeup to even see her. That's fair. <clears throat> uh, she had like both sides of her head shaved and like some spiky colored hair oh, and a yeah. head tattoo. Yeah, it was fucking rad. Um, so he's getting mugged by these people. And he turns a balloon animal into a Tommy gun. And then he shoots them. Yeah. Uh, It was at this point. Then then he goes and he wrecks the the auto shop that fucked up his car or something. Yes, that gave him a Columbo car. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So it's at this point I started wondering, um, how many times has Jim Carrey had to act against a Jack Russell Terrier? Because Um... it's at least two. What's the other one? Is this and the Grinch? Oh, true. Is the Grinch a mask man? Um, I don't think he's a femme. Like, I mean, I I know what you mean. I just had to give the joke answer. <laughs> is it the maskiverse? Is um <clears throat> no, but it is because he is the green. Whoiverse. He's green. Has dog. Is kind of a little shit. Is that maybe why they cast Jim Carrey as the Grinch? Uh, entirely possible, yes. It's like a sequel to The Mask, but yeah. not Son of the Mask, which stars Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, and so... And was a commercial and theatrical failure. Okay, so if I'm remembering my, uh, lo- my, my lore correctly, mm-hmm. that, the, 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 um, I want to say... Who universe, but I, it's not Doctor Who. The other one, the Hooniverse. The Hooniverse. Um, that all takes place on like a speck of dust or something. They're all very small. Yes, and um, all extremely devout Christians. Suppose the speck of dust it takes place on is a skin flake that came off of the mask. His green face. Um. Okay. So I have a slight issue with this okay number one many parts of the grinch take place during the day and the mask is only active at night i mean but like the skin could have like flaked off during the night and still exists during the day yeah but it wouldn't be powered up with mask powers because the mask goes dormant during the day true and the grinch is seen during the day when he eats roast beast with the who's huh that does throw a slight wrench in it. I did not pick up that it didn't work a during the day. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't stop myself. I mean, um, it, it's good. Okay, so basically, um, he he puts on the mask, he gets Dio powers, uh, Jim Carrey puts his entire actosy into making the mask move weird. Mm, yeah, it's upsetting to look at and see it's very cartoonish and that's like uh you know to jim carrey's credit he does a very i I think he does a remarkably good job with bringing the cartoonishness of the character to life definitely with Um, a little help from some shitty cgi (laughs) uh yeah some real 90s cg um yeah um what is he he goes back to work the next day and yeah um he's late and his boss yells at him. Uh-huh. Um, we get, uh, he gets horny because a woman speaks to him again. Um, uh, 
True. And then we cut over to a hair crime and actual crime, where a guy who is very evidently balding (laughs) also has a mullet. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And is playing golf. Um, And um, he hits a golf ball off of the person who's supposed to be robbing the bank. Uh Uh-huh. So I think, if I understand correctly, the bank robber boy works for Mr. Golfman. Yeah, I think so. Yes. But also wants to overthrow him because he thinks he could do a better job. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a crime boy, and... It's like Sith rules, your apprentice will eventually kill you. Exactly. And I think when he gets when when he gets the mask and he becomes a weird beastie. Yeah, he he looks not good. Upsetting to even more upsetting to see. Not that much more upsetting though. Not I mean, yeah, cuz he doesn't have the whole Jim Carrey is puppeting his own face going on. He's just sort of green it's, and it's, angular and vain. For me, the thing about Jim Carrey puppeting his own face is the teeth. Because oh, he's constantly, oh, like, yeah. rubbing his teeth back and forth across against each other. Oh, yeah, no. That was bad and it's for like, me. Ugh, no, 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 that no, was, no, no. That was, that, that utterly obliterated my nervous system every single time. It, he, he has these mannerisms... And I can I, I can feel the teeth grinding against uh, each other yeah, every no, time he does it. It's so bad. Uh, yeah. No, I same. I'm I was the same way, and it was upsetting every single time. Um, I hated it. Um. So the second night, he puts on the mask again, uh-huh. and robs the bank that he works at. Yes. Right before the Interrupting crime boys are about to rob it. The crime boys who are about to rob the bank yeah. in order to pay off the big boss. Mm-hmm. Um, so... He's under investigation by the police, um, who try to get into his apartment without a warrant. Yeah, that was definitely a thing that happened. And he lets them in. Yep. And then starts answering questions without a lawyer. And with, like, a couple million in hundreds sitting in his closet. Yep. Um, And his dog is trying to open the closet. Yep, because the dog's frisbee is in the closet. (laughs) Now, this frisbee is very much a Chekhov's frisbee because it will be relevant later on. Okay, here's an interesting thing. My interpretation of that, um, because I didn't notice the frisbee because I was busy, like... Being in just sort of a dark place emotionally because I was watching this movie without sound or subtitles. Um, I thought, because the dog is, like, portrayed as, like, very intelligent. And, and, Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. like, more, possibly more intelligent than Jim Carrey. At least, like, in terms of emotional intelligence, at the very least. It's certainly above human intelligence. Yes. Yeah, we've got a Tony Vornskier situation Mm -hmm. here. Um, Mm -hmm. And... I thought he was trying to open the closet so that Jim Carrey would get caught before he goes down an even darker path with the mask. So, like, it would be good for him. Oh, I, no, absolutely not. It was it was fully because the frisbee was in there. <laughs> I gave the movie too much credit. Yes, like, at least, at least a bucket's worth of too much credit. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. Like you need to take that five gallon Home Depot bucket <laughs> and pull it back out of the movie. God. So he steals this money so that he can get into the club where Cameron Diaz is performing. Uh huh. And, and um, then he goes full cartoon wolf. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, and go does does a whole dance number with her. Yes. Where he um, sorry, we forgot to talk about the best part of the movie, which is where um he's having a dream about kissing her. After having done mask shenanigans. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, Cameron Diaz does end up licking his ear. Uh-huh. Um, like, full-on going to town on it because his dog is licking his ear outside of the dream because this is all a dream. Yeah. But actual Cameron Diaz had to lick actual Jim Carrey's ear to get that shot. God. How many takes do you think it took? T- um... For her sake, I hope one. I would hope so too, but you never know. <clears throat> uh, so he, yeah, he does the song and dance routine at the uh, at the club, um, and it's at this point that I'm starting to check out of the movie. Yes. Um, the cop shows up, says, "You and I are gonna have a little chat." Um. And at this point, I wrote in my notes, liar, liar, Jim Carrey wouldn't have let the cop through the door without a warrant. Well, uh, unfortunately so, for Jim know, Carrey, it's not the same cinematic universe. I think Jim Carrey is just playing Jim Carrey in every movie he's in. So he should have that legal knowledge, even though liar, liar did come out after the mask. I mean, uh, it's a it's a it's a time travel thing. Right? He used the box to go back in time to make the mask. (laughs) Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Carrey specifically, Jim Carrey and only Jim Carrey has the power to travel through time. That makes perfect sense to me. It explains certain things. I won't elaborate on what it explains. Uh, So, yeah. Like, the, the thing about the cop coming in without a warrant is like one of the last three things I wrote in my notes because I just checked out of the rest of the movie. <laughs> um, I wrote uh, um, d- he flushed a guy down the toilet and that's the last thing I have in my notes. <laughs> Cause, uh, so he gets the mask stolen. Um, he by, by shows up at this by the the reporter lady who has existed in several scenes before that. Yes, she's interested in reporting on the bank robbery. I I was so relieved when she betrayed him because I thought we were going to get a wholly undeserved romance between him and her at first. Yeah, I'm I'm very glad that it just stuck with Jim Carrey and Cameron Diaz as the OTP. Yeah. Because... Um, so, basically, once um, Bank Robber Crime Boy gets the mask, he's going to show up at this big event and kill his boss and take over the crime syndicate. Yes. Right? Like, that's <clears throat> effectively what I'm reading from this text. Uh-huh. Um, and then... He's got the mask. Jim Carrey goes there without the mask with his dog. Jim Carrey gets arrested, I should point out. 
Yes, um, yes. Fully arrested, in jail. Mm-hmm. The dog breaks him out of jail by stealing the keys from a cop. Then he takes the cop's gun. Uh-huh. Um, and-, and he points the gun at the detective who's been pursuing him through the movie. Yes. Handcuffs them together and brings them to a nightclub. Yeah. I don't know at what point he becomes unhandcuffed, but um, there's a big fight scene wherein the mask gets pulled off of the crime boy. I think he pulls it off to kiss Cameron Diaz. Um, Someone throws it, and the dog does, like a frisbee, catch the mask in midair. Yeah. Thus fulfilling the frisbee that we were shown in the first act. Yes. Um, And then the dog puts the mask on. And becomes a little pervert. Yeah. Um, it, it, uh, he does, he bites some pants. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim Carrey gets the mask back, taking it off of the dog, puts it on, flushes the bad guy down a toilet. Yep. And then they live happily ever after, after throwing the mask off of a bridge. Um, the mask comes back in Son of the Mask. I'm, yeah, I mean, they, they can't just leave a, a wonderful movie premise like that alone. Um, yeah. A movie that stars Jamie Kennedy and Alan Cumming. So, am I to understand that they've moved past edging? (laughs) Yes, and they've moved on to Cumming. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What, okay, what city is Edge City supposed to be reminiscent of? I think it's supposed to be New York. But it's like a tropical New York. It's like, what if New York and Miami were merged? Yeah, kind of. Um, hmm. It might, because it's it's not like, because the, the taxis and everything like that are very reminiscent of, maybe, maybe we're on the wrong coast. Maybe it's supposed to be L.A.? But there's too many skyscrapers for, yeah, like... No, it, it didn't feel very... Uh, like, the city and the the just sort of, like, general aesthetics of the city seemed very New York-ish. But then you've got, like, palm trees and shit. Yeah. Um, so, it's a Dark Horse Comics imprint, the original Mask comic book, right? Um... Which, I think Dark Horse is independent, right? Or did they uh, recently get bought out? I... They would have been independent at the time of the mask, anyway. For sure, yeah. So, Edge City wouldn't be the same Edge City that exists in Smallville, which is in Kansas. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, it was definitely a coastal city. That's for sure. Yeah. It. There were a couple of like locales that screamed... Toontown to me? Yeah, it very much did feel like a Toontown. Yeah. Um, So, Edge Cities are, like, the sort of city that exists outside of a typical traditional downtown or central business district. Uh Uh-huh. It's like the, it's the office park cities that spring up. Um, Mississauga or, uh, for your context, I guess, like Bellevue, Washington. Okay. Is an edge is considered an edge city? I uh, yeah, I guess. Sure. 
Because it's, like, not really a city, just given its proximity to the actual cities in Washington. You know? It's... I mean, Bellevue is the place where all of the, like, super rich people live. Yeah, um, the same with Mississauga. Okay. It's either super rich people or businesses and, um, like, just on the edge of the actual city. There's, like, high-rise apartment buildings that are cheaper if you want to be near the city but still outside. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, like, the, a lot of them do tend to develop because of public transit. Um, if you think about, like, uh, Arlington, Virginia being sort of an edge city to Washington, D.C. So maybe this is, like, the grimy city that absorbed all of Miami's grime. I can see that. And um, it's got a very New Yorkish culture because of all of the uh, snowbirds that come down from New York every winter. The old people who summer in Florida because it's warmer. Okay, I think we solved it. Sorry, they winter in Florida. They summer in New York. Yeah, yeah. So we figured out where Edge City is. And it's on the edge of Miami. But, and this is the big but, uh, why? Why any of this? Um, because it... mm, I've got nothing for you there. Yeah, I I don't really have much either. it, it, It was... It's certainly a movie that was made in the 90s. In 1994. Yeah. Um, it is is very 90s. Um, oh, yeah. His, his work buddy wears this suit in one scene. He wears a blazer that is leopard print with roses. And it's an incredible choice. Like, it gives him such a sleazy vibe, and I absolutely adore it. Yeah. It's very good. The the movie has good costuming. I I, have to give them credit for that. That is true. Not good hairdressing. No. Um, The dog actor was fine. Dog actor. Perfectly. Definitely was a dog. Um, Maybe even deserving of a dog skirt. A consummate professional uh, joy to work with on set. Yeah, possibly a Lifetime Achievement Award from the K-9 Film Institute. Yeah. (laughs) I I do think there should be an award show for animal actors. The speeches would be very concise. (laughs) I mean, I would... It would be like the Puppy Bowl, right? It would be so wonderful. Yeah. Taco, do you wanna? Uh, Taco is here with me. Do you wanna win an award for acting? You could play Spot in any one of the TNG sequels. Yeah, you can do it, Taco. You could be in season four of Picard. Oh, oh no, no season four of Picard. Uh, Sorry, honey. I didn't even. I be- didn't even know there were three seasons. <laughs> uh, season three is currently airing, and I only mention this because Spot did show up in the most recent episode. Uh, as of how? time of recording. How? What's the timeline on that? Oh, um, spots. Okay, so, um, skip forward 30 seconds if you don't want spoilers for season three of Picard starting exactly now. 
Data, who was technically dead as of End of Nemesis, had his memories integrated into a Soong-type golem, uh, which is the next evolution after Soong-type androids. Okay. But Lore was also put in there with him, and Data and Lore were battling inside of their own mind, and one of the memories that Lore took from Data was Spot and... That was the final memory that caused Data to take over and defeat Lore by way of we're out of time. Um, okay. So, okay, I think, so Spot exists in a flashback. Uh, effectively, okay, yes. Okay. Uh, Spot exists in a flashback. So it's not like and... a fucking, like, 40-year-old cat. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, now, Brent Spiner has been quoted as saying that the cat who played Spot was the worst fucking actor I've ever had to deal with. <laughs> yes. I remember reading that quote. I think Taco would make a fine actor. He listens to direction well. Yeah. And he's very sometimes. He's, he's, and he's a cute little guy. And that's really what you want out of a cat actor is a cute little guy. Yeah. Someone where you can say, look at him face. And people will look at him face. <laughs> that's a, real obscure that took me a second to process yes i remember that video (laughs) does he does he also take a pet like no problem yes (laughs) he likes getting pet he doesn't he doesn't really bite either hello listeners it's cat with this week's mid-roll announcements for our american listeners your income tax returns are due on tuesday april 18th remember to file if you haven't already For our Canadian listeners, taxes are due May 1st, so you still have time, but don't put it off for too long. If you're from somewhere else, I don't know when your taxes are due because I don't have to file in your country. Good luck. If you'd like to interact with Kira and me on social media, you can follow me on Tumblr at zaftycat.tumblr.com and Kira on her Tumblr, sapphire-mess.tumblr.com. If you'd like to support us, there are a few ways you can do that. First, you can tell someone about the show. We thrive on word of mouth, and our goofy brand of weird is the perfect thing to recommend to your friends, your polycule, your found family, your biological family, or Cameron Diaz. You could also be our favorite people in the world and leave a review for the show on the podcatcher of your choice. We're fans of good pods for their really neat shareability features, but whatever you prefer works for us. If you do leave a review, let us know via tweet or Tumblr message, and you'll get a shout-out on the show. Thirdly, we'd be so grateful if you were to support us on Patreon. We make this show because we love it, not because of the money. But a little support from you goes a really long way for us. So please do consider giving us that support. No dollar amount is too small. That's all for the mid-roll. I'll let Pass Me and Kira get back to... uh, Cartoon wolf whistle sound effect. Cue the VCR sound. Okay, do we want to talk about what this movie's actually about? Yeah. Because I think we figured it out. Yeah, edging. Edging, yeah. yes. Okay. So, um, Wikipedia page. The Mask is a 1994 American superhero comedy film directed by Chuck Russell and produced by Bob Engelman from a screenplay by Mike Werb and a story by Michael Fallon and uh, Mark Verheiden, loosely based on the comics published by Dark Horse Comics. Okay. In Edge City, an insecure bank clerk, Stanley Ipkiss, 
is frequently ridiculed by everyone except for his co-worker and best friend, Charlie Shoemaker. Meanwhile, gangster Dorian Terrell, who runs the Coco Bongo nightclub, plots to overthrow his superior, Nico. One day, Tyrell sends his dazzling singer-girlfriend, Tina Carlisle, into the bank to record its layout for an upcoming robbery. Stanley is attracted to Tina, and she seemingly reciprocates. After being denied entrance to the Coco Bongo to watch Tina perform, Stanley's faulty loner car breaks down during his drive home. While looking over the harbor bridge in despair, he tries rescuing a humanoid figure in the waters, but finds it's a pile of garbage, concealing a wooden mask. Upon returning to his apartment and donning the mask, he transforms into a green-faced, zoot-suited trickster known as The Mask, who can animate and alter himself and his surroundings at will. With newfound confidence, Stanley indulges in a chaotic rampage through the city, humiliating several of his tormentors, including his temperamental landlady, Agnes Peenman, <laughs> and assaulting the mechanics who gave him the faulty car. I just, I, I left that empty space after Agnes Peenman because... Because, obviously. Mm-hmm. The next morning, Stanley encounters a detective, Lieutenant Mitch Kellaway, and newspaper reporter Peggy Brand, both of whom are investigating the mask's activity. To obtain the funds necessary to attend Tina's performance, Stanley dons the mask and robs the bank, inadvertently foiling Terrell's robbery. At the Coco Bongo, Stanley dances exuberantly with Tina, whom he ends up kissing. Shortly thereafter, Tyrell confronts him for disrupting the robbery, and Stanley flees, leaving behind a scrap of cloth from his suit, which reverts to a piece of his per, which reverts to, which reverts into a piece of his pajamas. After a restaurant, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> After arresting Tyrell and his henchmen. Callaway finds the piece of cloth and suspects Stanley's involvement. Later, Stanley consults Dr. Arthur Newman, a psychiatrist who has recently published a metaphorical book on masks, and deduces that the mask may be a creation of Loki, the Norse god of mischief, and its powers are only active at night. Though Newman believes in its mythology, he concludes that the mask's personality is based on Stanley's repressed desires. That night, Stanley meets Tina at a local park as the mask until they're interrupted by Kellaway, who attempts, who attempts to capture him. Stanley flees with Peggy after he distracts the police with a mass performance of the titular song from Cuban Pete. She then betrays him to Terrell for a $50,000 bounty. Terrell dons the mask, becoming a bulky and demonic green-faced being. Terrell's henchmen force Stanley to reveal the location of the stolen money before returning him to the police. When Tina visits Stanley in the station, he urges her to leave the city. Tina thanks Stanley for showing her kindness and tells him the mask was unnecessary. She attempts to flee, but is kidnapped by Terrell and forcibly taken to a charity ball at the Coco Bongo, hosted by Nico and attended by the city's elite, including the mayor. Upon arrival, the masked Terrell kills Nico and prepares to destroy the club with a time bomb. Milo, Stanley's dog, helps Stanley escape from the station by retrieving his keys from the guard. By sorry, by retrieving the keys from the guard. Stanley sets out to stop Terrell taking Kellaway hostage. After locking Kellaway in his car, Stanley enters the club and enlists Charlie's help, but is quickly discovered and captured. 
Tina tricks Tyrell into removing the mask, which is recovered and donned by Milo, who battles his way through Tyrell's henchmen as Stanley and Tyrell fight each other. Stanley receives a mask, uses his powers to swallow the bomb before it detonates, then flushes Tyrell down the drain of the nightclub's ornamental fountain. The police arrive and arrest Tyrell's henchmen. Kellaway tries arresting Stanley again, but the mayor intervenes, implicating Tyrell as the mask and praising Stanley as a hero. The following day, Stanley is exonerated and, more secure, returns to the harbor bridge with Tina. Tina throws the mask into the water before she and Stanley share a kiss. Charlie tries to retrieve the mask for himself, only for Milo to swim away with it. End of movie. Okay. It's all well and good for the mayor to be like, no, this guy isn't the mask. He did still take a cop's gun and hold a detective hostage. Yeah, he did. He, he did, did fully do that. Kidnap a cop, which like that's maybe frowned upon. Typically, yeah, within within the justice system, they don't like that. Within the criminal justice system, um, there's the mask and the not mask. <laughs> um, would you like to know who did the visual effects for this movie? Yes, ILM. <laughs> Clearly, a low point for them. Yeah. I mean, it was the 90s, so I'll, I'll give them that. They didn't know that Star Wars was coming back. Yeah. They're, I mean, I'm sure they didn't have much else going on. No. Now, uh, Jim Carrey had a lot going on. Yeah. Um, at the time, in 1994, he was in three feature films. This, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and Dumb and Dumber. In my brain... The Mask and mm-hmm. Ace Ventura are the same movie. Which means... But that makes The Mask transphobic. <laughs> I mean, it's... Yeah. But his name is The Mask, so clearly he can't be transphobic because he's a trans mask. Mm, mm, true. That's that's a lie. There are transphobic trans mask people. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Plenty. Plenty. I've, I've been on the internet before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't really have a good bit for this. This bit is very, very quickly dying. Um, do you want some reviews? Yeah, sure. Let's do, let's do them reviews. So, <clears throat> okay. Um, so Jay Messenger is, I think, someone I understand on a spiritual level. Okay. I give the movie one star. And they title the review, in all caps, Words cannot explain the pain I went through. Mm-hmm. And the review reads, Broke my brain, I haven't been, in th- haven't been the same in the absolute worst way possible. I, I sort of feel that way after every episode of Unsound Theories. Yeah. <laughs> at, the, at the very least, during the watch, is, it, it's always real dark. Um, it's, it's a rough old time. Yeah. Pete Davis is a funny guy. He gives it one star and titles the review. Do not buy for (laughs) COVID-19. This was a Jim Carrey DVD and did not help when getting groceries. Do not suggest for (laughs) COVID-19. Oh, that's a delightful review. Yes. Um... Sarah gives it three stars and titles the review, The Mask with Cameron Diaz. 
and the review reads, So the other night, I said to my sister, Hey, remember the mask? So, well, she, like, flipped out. So we rented it right away. We went to the video store, and there were all these people there, and we had to pay late fees. This review was written in 2006. Oh, okay, thank God, <laughs> That makes so much more sense. <laughs> now, this was a this was a twelve year old movie at the time. So hey, remember the mask? It's not like a nostalgic thirty years later statement. It's a hey, you remember that movie that came out like ten years ago? Yeah. Um, uh, the story goes off the rails from here. So then we watched it, and we hadn't seen it in years, and we were kind of upset because when we were little, our mom made this edited version where she taped over all the nasty parts, like a Crest commercial would suddenly come on. It's because our brother might become a womanizer if he saw a girl flipping her hair around. Like the part where the guy tries to lick the girl, and the part where the dog pees on the guy and you see his wiener. Nala kept saying, I never saw this part, I never saw this part. I think the worst part was that we had no idea that Cameron Diaz was even in it until we watched it the other night. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. What the fuck? (laughs) Anyway, it was kind of good. I liked that it actually made sense. Actually, I don't know why we even watched it at all when we were kids. It was mostly mouthwash and juice commercials anyway. Maybe we were all just stupid. I peaked my audio so hard there. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> just a very overzealous uh, mom. Uh, it's that's like, that's like, is, is that feminist mom or is that Mormon mom? That's that is like that's Mormon mom for sure. That's next level. Um, Larry D gives it three stars and says, a little Jim Carrey goes a long way. And, and it reads, I've seen the movie before. Jim Carrey is okay, but I think his dog outperformed him in the movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. And for our final review, um, fra- from Nasty Nate gives it four stars and titles the review 4am pleasure. <laughs> so, so uh, I guess he got the same theme as as us. Um, it reads, I'm extremely happy with the customer service I received while I was completely drunk with my buds. The customer service woman was able to get the show going on my big-ass TV. However, I passed out shortly after and was not able to fully watch the movie. I was, I was able to watch it all the way through in 1994, so I remember what happens in the movie. Thankfully, I was able to get a generously sized breakfast burrito the next morning, which was smoking, and decided to watch it again afterwards. Jim Carrey makes me laugh pretty hard. One star off because there is a lot of smoking in this movie, and now I'm addicted to cigarettes. So, does this person have, like, a fucking dog brain or something? (laughs) Like, I don't understand. You watched one movie where people were smoking cigarettes and you had to go out and be like, this seems like a good idea. Like, it took me, like, fucking ten years of smoking cigarettes to get to that point. I mean, it's... I I think it's because of the iconic line, smoking. Yes, where he says smoking. And that... that I think that maybe does something to um, Nasty Nate. 
Yeah, it feels like Nasty Nate might be one of the disgusting brothers. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, this is unrelated. Uh, do, do you watch Succession? I do not. It's it's a hard show to watch at times, um, but I like it a lot, and I think... Uh, better than The Mask? Much better than The Mask. Um, so... Yeah, that's about all I have about this movie. I really don't have anything else to say. I hated it, and I will never watch it again. And I'm going to tell my family at Easter dinner that I watched it and and hated it, and they're going to be like, oh my god, that's like the best movie ever. Why? How did you hate it? It's so good. Yeah, um, we had... I'm very lucky that I watched this after we had our Seder, (laughs) because I don't have to talk about it at the Seder. Uh, yeah. My my family is a big big Jim Carrey fan family. I mean, he's got good movies. Yeah, I suppose that. Like not a lot of them. There's a few, but yeah. like Dumb and Dumber was good. Yeah, uh, he was very funny when he was in the show in Living Color. But yeah, let let let's you know what? Let's do a quick little deep dive into this. Okay, James Carrey, <clears throat> James Eugene Carrey. <sighs> Canadian actor. Okay. Born here in Ontario. All right. Um, specifically in the GTA. Did they even uh, have those games when he was born? Greater Toronto area. <laughs> I I know. I know you know. <laughs> um, he was in a Dirty Harry movie. Interesting. Um. Oh, he was good in Batman Forever. What was he in? Where he played the Riddler. Oh God. I have only the um, vaguest memory of that. He was... I, I enjoyed The Cable Guy. I have never seen that. It's a sort of comedy horror movie. It's not quite... It's 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 very much in the trauma style without being trauma. This... Okay. This brings up another thing in my brain where two movies that are not the same movie are the same movie in my brain. Okay. Cable Guy and Lawnmower Man. See, okay, I also feel the same way about those. <laughs> I have not seen either of them. Neither have and I. And they're interchangeable for me. Because mm-hmm. it's it it the the names are I I I, I follow. Okay, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna say that Jim Carrey was very good in Man on the Moon. He was very good in the Truman Show. He was decent in Bruce Almighty. Um, fantastic in Eternal Sunshine, good in both Sonic movies, if I'm being honest, and, um, just ungodly awful in Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate (laughs) Events as produced by Nickelodeon. Uh, I haven't seen, I, I maybe have seen Bruce Almighty. I think, uh, the Truman Show is one that I think you should watch. Okay. <clears throat> um, Man on the Moon is worth watching if you like Andy Kaufman. Okay. Uh, but, like... I I know, don't really know who Andy Kaufman is. Was. Was. Okay. <laughs> um, Andy Kaufman was a really, really talented comedian who did a lot of, like, what I would consider to be cutting-edge sort of work with anti-comedy. Okay. Um... Just, like, very generally a very funny guy. 
Um, at one point, he does decide to become a professional wrestler, um, but he only wrestles women <laughs> and then berates them after winning. <laughs> okay. Um, he become uh, there's he has a public feud with uh, Jerry the King Lawler, who was just Jerry Lawler at the time. This was during the Territories era <clears throat> of wrestling. Okay. And they show up on a very early episode of Letterman. Like, Letterman was still not a established name in the late night game at the time. Um, and they're there to ostensibly call a truce. But then uh, Andy suggests to Jerry Lawler, hey, just, just hit me as hard as you can. <laughs> so they have a fight on Letterman that Letterman does not know is a bit. <laughs> Um, uh, so J Jim Carrey stars in a biopic about Andy Kaufman, um, and it's really, really good. Um, I just had a thought and I, yeah, I was wondering if there was a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure fighting game. And then I realized that's basically oh, yes, just is. Guilty Gear. <laughs> no, there's also actually a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure fighting okay. game. And it's pretty decent. Like it's. Usually, uh, you're, you're not going to find it at, like, Evo, but you'll find it at, like, um, CE Otaku. Okay. Uh, it's a solid fighting game. Like, I don't have much complaints about it. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, what other good fighting <clears throat> games there might I've be. I've just been idly scrolling through reviews. Okay. Um, and I found something. In <coughs> a five-star review... This person says, play like a G6 over the final fight scene. Play it right as he goes behind the bar. Please. What a great Neo-American classic. Do we do uh, we try this live on the podcast? No, because I don't want to have to listen to like okay. a G6. Okay, yeah, that's probably a good call. Um, so Taco has decided now is the time to pester mommy, uh, which is... To say he wants his dinner early. Uh, that's that's um, about right. Do we want to wrap things y up? Yeah. Um, okay. I, I, Thanks for listening. We sure didn't. Goodbye. Uh, bye. I hope we never have to talk about this movie S again. Somebody stop my recording. Unsound Theories is a production of So Says Media. You can follow us on Twitter at Unsound Theories or follow Kat and Kira at ZaftyCat. Z-A-F-T-I-K-A-T and at Sapphire underscore mess, respectively. The best way to support the work we do is to tell a friend and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods. If you'd like to support our work monetarily to help us keep the lights on, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash media. There you'll gain access to behind-the-scenes content, Patreon-exclusive episodes, and so much more. The music used in this episode is Dance on All the Cell Phones by Chris Postel. You can find this and Chris's other work at soundslikeanearful.com. Until next time, stay wizard. <laughs>